0: hello everyone welcome back to another episode of em's drive-in i'm your host emily bringing you into the exciting world of cinema with some behind the scenes facts and everything you need to know about some of the best artists in the business today's episode is all about the filmography of federico fellini so i hope you all enjoy and let's get right to it the first thing that we are going to discuss today is fellini's directing style According to the article, The Many Faces of Federico Fellini Part 3 on BFI, the article states, "...certainly the design, filming style, performances, and makeup in Fellini's work all draw attention to the constructedness of his film world. It is a place of imagination, not reality. Fellini created sets wherever possible in order to better approximate his imagination." Similarly, the reoccurring tropes of the circus and parades in his work remind us that for Fellini, cinema is a spectacle, staged for the joy of storytelling and spectatorship, a space to express psychic interiority rather than represent historical truths. What makes Fellini's work so interesting is that he takes on a lot of imaginative tropes that touch upon how human beings internalize their feelings or experiences. So while his films are... Primarily or can be primarily seen as a spectacle, whereas you see all these images in front of the screen to keep you entertained and to keep you interested, there is still an internal perspective that projects a more thoughtful point of view. In other words, his movies aren't seen as spectacles just for the sake of being a spectacle or showing something grand, but rather being able to mix the spectacle with. An internal, thoughtful piece of storytelling. According to the interview, a guest in an interview with Federico Fellini, conducted by Gideon Bachman, Bachman asks, How do you put the fantasies into images, the faraway city onto the screen? What is the first thing you do? Fellini replies, you need to maintain a constant equilibrium, which is consistently endangered, of course, between that which you had wanted to do. In other words, the film as it presented itself in your imaginative sphere, and the one you were actually making. Fellini's reply posts a lot of intriguing ideas and questions. What he is mainly asking is, could there be a difference between what you put onto the screen versus what you were actually feeling behind the camera? How can you transfer your feelings to the audience? And when directors make films, do they end up being different from what they originally wanted to make? Fellini brings up another really important idea in this interview where he talks about not liking to look back at the rushes or the edits of the film. Because then he begins to think that, oh, what I'm putting in front of the screen isn't originally what I wanted to tell. And he doesn't like the idea of undermining his intentions or psyching himself out enough to the point where he feels like he's not making what he originally said he wanted to make. He always wanted to be true to the moment of the story that he was going to tell. The first movie that we are going to talk about today is La Strada. This movie was released in 1954 and was written by Federico Fellini and Tullio Pinelli and was directed by Federico Fellini. This movie is about a carefree girl named Jill who is played by Giulietta Mazzina. She is sold to a traveling entertainer named Zampano, who is played by Anthony Quinn. She loyally endures her husband's coolness as they travel the Italian countryside performing together. The themes of this movie are within man's complexities, sensuality, dreams, and intellect, and self-awareness. According to the article Lestrada Beauty and the Beast, written by Christina Newland for the current magazine on Criterion.com, the article states, While Fellini's previous films began to pencil in his worldview, Lestrada's perspective is drawn in ink. It doesn't feel like an experiment or playful in the autobiographical manner of Ivetigliani. It is a vision that blooms as an allegory a film of despair and optimism, cruelty and salvation, and its own clandestine sense of humor." L'Estrata contains philosophical and spiritual dimensions and a unified visual poetry that qualify it as Fellini's first masterpiece. As far as the themes of complexities go, Zampano represents sensuality and Gelsimina represents dreams. The definition of sensuality is considered to be someone who finds enjoyment in physical pleasure. Zampano is the kind of character that wants Gelsimina as a quote-unquote toy in his circus. She is simply there to help boost his image and give him satisfaction only when he says so, and he is mainly the one that calls most of the shots in their relationship. Meanwhile, we look at a character like Josemina who has a childlike innocence to her. This is the first time that we see her on her own as a character. For most of her life, she has lived with her mother or other family members, and being with Zampino gives her an opportunity to find herself as an individual and find herself outside of that family dynamic, only to find out that she ends up being with somebody that is completely controlling. But because of this childlike innocence, she doesn't understand that people can be cruel, and she doesn't really have an idea of the outside world and the cruelties that come with that environment. So when she is with Zampano, she does everything that she can to make him happy. And when she can't make him happy, she ends up shutting down and feeling really defeated. The article continues to state, As Jelsemina, Messina shifts moods infinitesimally in response to Zampano's cruelties, registering myco-expressions of apprehension or delight often evolving from moment to moment an innocent untouched by worldly knowledge from outside the impoverished shack of her upbringing. Gelsamina is a liability in 50s Italy. There's not much to suggest that the young woman should ever amount to anything to do more than live and struggle and die. A perfect scene example to go along with this quote is the pebble scene. When Gelsamina first meets the fool, who is played by Richard Basshart, she finds a kindred spirit with him because he is the one that reminds her the importance of having a purpose. And he compares having a purpose with a pebble. And he says that if a pebble can have a purpose, so can everybody else. The Fool is a very important character in this movie. Even though he is a minor character, he is the one person that gives Josemina the strength of finding purpose as an individual. But at the same time, she feels an incredible amount of responsibility for Zambino. And that responsibility is what ends up crushing her because that is what is holding her back from living a life that she could be proud of. A large part of that responsibility is what makes Jossamina a pure reflection of being a woman in the 50s, as far as always being by a man's side or conforming to a man's ideas, because that is what she ends up being for Zambino, and she never receives any encouragement from him, but she always wants to please him. The article continues to state, Compare and contrast this anguish with the nearly beatific face of Massena in the last image of her, with her short hair and huddled posture. Jelsimina may look tiny and impotent beside the mountain of a man she is bound to, but there is a certain peacefulness about her. If I don't stay with you, who will? She repeats as a refrain. In Jelsima, we see a woman who asks us across the chasm of more than half a century what moral absolutism achieves. This quote leads us into the theme of intellect. When we think of moral absolutism, we think of the belief that the morality or immorality of an action can be judged according to fixed standards of right and wrong. In other words, having the intellect to recognize when someone is doing something right or wrong, and having the ability to change that situation or not. Moral absolutism perfectly describes Gelsimina and Zampano's relationship. Gelsimina feels that her purpose is with Zampano, because he chose her to go with him. Even though he chose her to be his mistress in some way, she knows he is lonely, too, and feels this pull to relieve some of his loneliness. She is the type of person that wants to feel comforted in the knowledge that they both won't feel so lonely in each other's company, even though she knows he can't give her what she needs. As an audience, we see Zampano becoming jealous of the Fool, because to some extent he does realize that the Fool can give Jessamina what he can't give her, and he ends up self-projecting that anger and that jealousy onto her, and she self-projects by becoming emotional. And his lack of understanding of how to handle these kinds of emotions are what caused Jossamina to withdraw and shut down. These feelings also coexist with the theme of self-awareness. Jalsamina is always questioning Zampano about what he thinks about, and he always replies or gives an inclination that he doesn't think about much or he doesn't really think about anything at all. Meanwhile, the fool thinks about purpose and living, which Jalsamina finds attractive on some level because she can understand those feelings of trying to fit in and wanting to be a part of something. And all of those emotions are what lead into the ending of the film. Zampano ends up leaving Jalsimena when he realizes he can't provide for her. And by the end of the film, he finds himself alone on the beach with his thoughts. And it's the first time that he really stops to think about a lot of the regrets and a lot of the loss that he had gone through in his life. And there is some sense of guilt that he wasn't able to take care of Jalsimena. But along the way, you also have these really intricate moments of what it means to struggle and what it means to struggle to find purpose and how loneliness can always somehow eat away with us by the end of our lives. And especially when we're grappling with regret and especially when we're grappling with guilt, I think that is when we tend to sit with loneliness the most. And Zampano feels that by the end of the movie. Next up, we have Eight and a Half. This movie was released in 1963 and was written by Federico Fellini and Tilio Pinelli, and was directed by Federico Fellini. This movie is about a troubled Italian filmmaker named Guido, who is played by Marcello Mastroianni, who struggles with creative inspiration as he attempts to get a new movie off the ground. Overwhelmed by his work and personal life, the director retreats into his thoughts, which often focus on his past and present love affairs, and wanders into a world of fantasy. His thoughts and memories eventually turn into an autobiographical film. The themes of this movie are interpersonal communication and interpretation. According to the article 8 and a, half, a film with itself as its subject, written by Alexander Siosky for The Current Magazine, on Criterion.com, the article states, Fellini responded finally with eight and a half, making the challenge itself his subject, and expressing the stultification in Guido's confusion and inability to choose. He used this as an opportunity to probe the mystery of artistic creation and the problems of human relations created by a society whose traditional education portrays women as either sacred or profane, either mother or whore. This quote leads us into the first theme of interpersonal communication. When we talk about interpersonal communication, we are talking about the communication within ourselves. The character of Guido is a perfect example of this. His attempts to tell an authentic story are ineffective due to his inability to confront difficult conversations. And he takes his relationships with women and attempts to put that idea at the center of a film. There is a quote in the film where Guido says, I wanted to make an honest film. No lies whatsoever. I thought I had something so simple to say, something useful to everybody, a film that could help bury forever all those dead things we carry within ourselves. Instead, I'm the one without the courage to bury anything at all. Guido is the type of person that wants to practice being more honest within his relationships, especially when it comes to his relationships with women. He feels that in order to make a more authentic film, he has to put these relationships in the center. He feels that making this film has the potential to help him let go of what he can never be able to articulate in his everyday life. The article continues to state, Serious problems, but his film is comic. Hence, none of the questions posed are ever really answered. For as Guido and Fellini tell us, he has nothing to say. This leads us into the theme of interpretation. Guido is able to explain the meaning of the fantastical world he has created that he puts in front of the screen. But none of these images have anything profound to say. And it's this idea of film being seen as a spectacle versus what movies are able to say in a more profound setting. There is another quote in the film where Guido says, "'Could you walk out on everything and start all over again?' Could you choose one single thing and be faithful to it? Could you make it the one thing that gives your life meaning just because you believe in it? Could you do that?" This quote is one of my favorites in the film because I think it really does represent how artists are finally able to come to terms with who they are and what they want to say and how they are able to say that when they put it in front of a camera. And we see a lot of those emotions through Guido and his ability to put his thoughts and his memories in front of the screen and have them be true to his identity, rather than putting them in front of the camera in a comical form. In other words, he is finally able to take his experiences seriously versus saying something just to say something. He doesn't want to be in a position where he's putting something in front of the camera that's fake Or contrived in any way. This film is about his journey to finding a place where he can finally put his thoughts and his expressions in front of a camera or in a storytelling form and have them truly mean something that impacts him and that can impact a larger audience. Those are a lot of the reasons why Eight and a Half is as classic and as well-loved and well-versed in the film world. Because it is a true film about a movie director making movies. And it is very true to the concept of having something important to say and making sure that your film has the power to impact somebody else. I think that movies are a very important issue when it does come to these ideas overall because while it's important for films to be entertaining and interesting, it is just as important for them to help the audience question an issue or maybe it can help an audience come to terms with something within themselves and something within their own lives. And when you see a film like Eight and a Half, you get a really great idea of the importance of being able to say something that is true and being able to say something because it relates to you and because it relates to your identity, and not just saying it for the sake of saying it. And that is a big part of what the ending of the film represents. We see Guido bringing all of his experiences and memories into the picture as a way of proving that he lived that particular life. And those experiences were very true to him. Now moving on to some fun facts. For Strada, Anthony Quinn was working on a film with Giulietta Messina when she introduced him to her husband Federico Fellini. Fellini was immediately convinced that the Mexican-born actor would make the perfect Zampano, the strong man in his new film, which was to become Lestrada, and implored him to accept the role. The nonplussed actor, who had no idea who Fellini was, initially turned him down, but Fellini was persistent, pestering him for days about the project. Shortly thereafter, Quinn spent the evening with Ingrid Bergman and her husband, director Roberto Rossellini. After dinner, the three watched Fellini's most recent film, the comedy-drama I, Vitolini, and Quinn realized with astonishment that the crazy Italian filmmaker who had been hounding him for days was a genius. Director Federico Fellini has admitted that each of the principal characters in the film represented the elements. Zampano represented Earth, Gelsimina represented Water, and The Fool represented Air. Chris Christopherson said that this movie was part of the inspiration for his song, Bobby McGee. This film won the very first Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film. Some fun facts for Eight and a Half: This movie was shot almost like all Italian movies at the time, completely without sound recording on set. All dialogue was dubbed during post-production. Fellini was known for shouting directions at his actors during shooting, and for rewriting dialogue afterwards, making a lot of the dialogue in the movie appear out of sync. Often cited by Federico Fellini himself as one of his favorite films ever, even considering other directors' works. Federico Fellini attached a note to himself below the camera's eyepiece which read, Remember, this is a comedy. This film is also a favorite of David Lynch and Martin Scorsese. Moving on to some movie recommendations. First up we have the film Making Plans for Lena. This is a French film that came out in 2009 and was directed by Christophe Honoré and stars Chiara Mastriani. This film is absolutely amazing. Chiara Mastriani is the daughter of Marcello Mastriani and Catherine Deneuve and it was so amazing being able to see her come into her own as an actress. She plays a character that has a lot of growing up to do because she's in a really tight spot in a really tight situation with her husband and she's in a really tight situation with her kids and she's trying to make it all work. She just got separated from her husband and wants to get back together with him, but she also has her children to consider. And for this to be the first film that I saw her in, was very huge for me, because I wasn't expecting this film to be as emotional as it was. And she reminds me so much of her dad. She looks exactly like Marcello, and even as an actress, she reminds me a lot of Catherine, because Catherine Deneuve brings a lot of softness and a lot of natural emotion into her roles. And I definitely saw that in this film with Kiara as well. And it was such an amazing experience, being able to see her perform in this film. Next up, we have Paolo Sorrento's new movie, The Hand of God. This film had a really big impact on me, and it is definitely one of my favorite films of 2021. Has a lot of really great, profound things to say about filmmaking. And has a lot of really important things to say about having something important to say within a film. And with that being said, this being an Italian film, it also had a lot of really cool references to Fellini and Eight and a Half. And it is about this young man who goes through this really tragic period in his life, and he wants to make movies, and how he is able to take those experiences and use them for his films in the future. And it was so profound being able to watch this movie, I think, as an aspiring filmmaker myself, and as... For a lot of artists and aspiring artists out there in the world, there's a lot of really good things about this movie as far as the message of it and how authentic it is in the form of being able to experience everything that you can out of life and having that opportunity to be able to say what you want to say as an artist. And it was such a beautifully done film. Next up, we have the film Special Forces. This movie was released about 11 to 12 years ago, and it stars Diane Kruger, Dijon Honsu, and Benoit Majumel. And this film was really, really enjoyable to watch. The story itself is pretty typical and generic of a war movie, but the characters and the character dynamics were incredibly well-written, And the acting was absolutely amazing. And I think that that is really what, at least for me, that is what pulls me in. So whenever I do come across a typical film that I know has been done a bunch of times in different ways, if the acting is really able to pull me in, then I'll be able to stay with the movie. I would say that the first half starts off a little slow, but once the film picks up and once we really see the characters together that's where the heart of the film is. It's really in the characterization rather than the whole of the story itself. But a lot of the characters in the film really do lend itself to the story and how those two elements are able to bounce off of each other really well is what makes the film as entertaining as it is. Last but not least, we have the Oscar-winning film, The Artist. This movie came out in 2011 and was directed by Michelle Hazanavicius and stars Jean Dujardin and Bernice Baio. Jean Dujardin won the Oscar for Best Leading Actor for this film, and it is very clear to see why. Being that this film was released in 2011, this movie is actually a silent film, and it is about a silent film actor who has to compete with sound coming into the mix, and how his career basically gets turned down because he can't find any jobs as a silent actor anymore once sound comes into the picture. And I thought it was super creative and I thought it was a very smart choice to be able to make this a silent film, especially in the era that it's made in. Because a lot of people after a while do tend to forget where films came from or how they started. And I think that this film really does a good job of bringing up all of those nostalgic feelings about silent cinema and about where cinema can go. And the performances were just absolutely fantastic and it was a complete joy to watch. As our time together comes to an end, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in to M's Drive-In. I'm your host, Emily, bringing you into the exciting world of cinema, with some behind-the-scenes facts and everything you need to know about some of the best artists in the business. Keep an eye out for next week's episode on the filmography of Martin Scorsese.